when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Basic Bingers, Episode 2. I'm Boyd Hilton. I'm the host of this weekly jog through the world of popular culture, but mainly television. Sounds energetic, a jog. Well, apologies for being energetic. No, I'm, we I'm are all energetic, for it. Kate. Listen, I'm all for it. That's the voice of Carrie Barrow, our one of our three weekly regulars, along with myself. Our other weekly regular voice, Stephanie Seelan, cannot be with us. She's been signed off. I don't know whether she's on holiday or she just can't be bothered or she's ill. Who knows what it is? She's all watching I, TV. She's at home watching true crime shows on Netflix for future research purposes. <laughs> but instead, and in no way. Is it the least of our options? It's the best of our options because our guru, <laughs> editor, producer, all-round legend, Johnny, Jonathan, Dan John is here. John Dan. It's, it's amazing how the best option is also your most convenient option. Sometimes Listen. convenience equals best. <laughs> what can we say? Today, um, the meat of the podcast in which we review three really exciting things coming up will focus upon Killing Eve. I'm going to call it long-awaited. Eight-part drama, comedy drama, starting on the BBC. It is very exciting. It's been on BBC America already earlier this year. It became a critical and popular phenomenon, Kay. Phoebe Wallerbridge. Phoebe Wallerbridge wrote it. It stars Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh of Grey's Anatomy fame. Mm-hmm. We're also going to review... We're doing a film, Kay. I know. A film, Kay. It's very exciting. It's we went very together. exciting. We've decided in the new incarnation of the podcast that if a big film comes along or a huge big book or whatever that we think, or a podcast that we think is a proper pop culture phenomenon in the making, we're going to review that. It's not always going to be TV. Yes, we did do this in the previous <laughs> version of the podcast as well, but I'm just emphasizing that we're still doing it. And we're this really going to make an effort. This week we're reviewing Crazy Rich Asians, which has been a gigantic box office phenomenon in America as well. And finally, we're going to cast an eye over Michael Palin in North Korea which is Good a program for, and I think this might be a first. Oh, no, it's not a first. Is it a first? Have we done a Channel 5 show in the old incarnation of the podcast? No, I think this is a first. I think it might, it's definitely a first in the two episodes <laughs> uh, yeah. we've done so far of Basic Bingers. It surprised everyone when you said it. It shocked everyone. I mean, it shocked me that Michael Palin is going to do a show for Channel 5. I am 5. surprised. Yeah, but we're reviewing it. But happily surprised. Steady, no spoilers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to do another one of our spoiler specials, this time on Bodyguard, the TV phenomenon of the moment, let's face it, particularly episode four that's just gone out on Sunday. 
Before all that, though, in the traditional, now traditional, new format of Basic Bingers, we are going to each choose three things that we've been enjoying this week, and it's called The Three. And it's a natty title. It's a natty title, isn't it? <laughs> now, normally this one I go to Steph Seenan, but she's not here, so now I think, should I go to you, John or Kay, John, Kay, Kay, John, John, Kay, Just Kay. Just where your heart lies. Kay. Yes, it lies with What me. are your three things? Okay, first up... So I was away on holidays, I've been catching up and stuff, and the one thing that I wanted to watch, because everyone was talking about it, was X Factor. So I've watched the first and second... I've heard of it. (laughs) The first and second episodes, because obviously, as you know, it's got a new panel. As you know, Simon Cowell was joined by Robbie Williams, his wife, Ida... Is that how we're saying it? Ada? 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 I think Ada. it's Ada, personally. But Ada? What do I know? Um, and also Louis Tomlinson of One Direction fame. And there'd been like mixed reviews, you know, because obviously Robbie Williams is Marmite. But I have to say, I'm a, as you know, I'm a massive fan yeah. of Robbie. I'm actually clutching my chest Kay, there. Listeners, Kay is clutching her chest with a hand. I do love to him. To signify she actually loves him. He's just, he's a natural born entertainer. And I just think, I was one of the people who last season had tired of The X Factor. Had I mean, you? I love Dermot, obviously. He's a friend mm. of the podcast. Mm. It just become a bit tired and samey and they just needed to do something to refresh the panel. And bringing Robbie on, I think, was the best thing they could have done because he's he's really good on it. So I don't know if you guys saw the first episode. I don't think John watches that kind of show, do you, John? <laughs> no. Come on, stop no. being a snob, John. It's not, it's not snobbery. I just, he's I, a busy man. Yeah. He's got some podcasts, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah, he's always, yeah. he's always wired. Some stuff to see. Yeah. Um, Did you I watch have, it? I have, of course, watched it. Yeah, I watched, I've watched every single episode of The X Factor since it launched in 1927. <laughs> um, no, I did watch it, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah I, th- I thought he was great. I totally agree with you. Yeah. So, like, he brought the usual charisma, you know, the, the showman, so he sang on stage, so the usual Robbie. But also, I thought he had, like, there was, like, maturity and, like, a reflective Robbie. Did you see the moment when the lady who had created that song, Dreamer, yeah. came on stage? Mm. That classic song that everyone will remember. I'm not going to sing it. And he got really, like, moved. He was moved to tears by mm. it, just saying how it really was the soundtrack of his yeah. life and parts of his life when it was quite messy. And he just really thanked her, and it was a nice moment. He was great. I, um, um, f- the things that amused me about him were that um, he did a lot of it with his feet up on the desk, mm. which I thought was uh, Why not? Casual. You know, casual, very casual. Would you know? Would you do that at home? Probably would, to be fair. Yeah. In one of his many lavish mansions. mansions. <laughs> the other thing was that he um, he kept kind of he kept his his comments were I often think with the X Factor. With judges on talent shows, they're overthinking everything and they're thinking, oh, what should I say about this? What should I, say about-? I thought his reactions were incredibly immediate mm. and authentic and real. Do you know what I mean? Rather yeah. than contrived. And I think you can always tell, like sometimes, I love Simon, but sometimes I'm, I'm thinking, he's oh, sitting he's there thinking, that at home. yeah, what's, you know, <laughs> one has. of his stock phrases, yeah. you know. Robbie did, avoided the stock phrases. Um, You're talking about, I didn't like that. I love that from Simon Cowell. All of them. I mean, yeah. there's so many, aren't there? Yeah. So, yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Now, people are having a bit of a go because, you know, they're saying obvious stuff like his wife, obviously his wife wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him, which is obviously completely true. Yeah, but, but equally, they work so well together. Yeah, they work, exactly. It's One of like, my favourite bits was yeah. the little sketch they did, which I, you know, it was them driving to the studio um, and Robbie and Ida, Ada were singing together, which was hilarious because he was basically saying, look, Look, you don't, don't sing. sing. You yeah. just concentrate on the driving. Yeah. You don't sing. And then obviously Simon Cowell went to a McDonald's drive through and he bought the only choice I think you can get from McDonald's, our favourite choice, Boyd, yeah. a fillet of fish. A fillet of fish. Fillet of fish. And Louis Tomlinson smirked 
at mm. Simon's correct French pronunciation filet. of filet of fish. It's not a fillet of fish, is it? So, I mean, I it may be embarrassing to say filet of fish. Mm. And God knows why McDonald's, when they created it 50 years ago, decided to call it a filet of fish, but it's why been not? done. It's fabulous. That's what it's called. Yeah. You know, you can't call it anything else. Yeah, that was very funny. Yeah. I, 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 I felt that there should be more um, Simon Cow filet of McDonald's fish action, content. Yeah. But I think, Robbie's a, I think Robbie's a match for Simon because, like, I totally. don't think before totally. he's ever had anyone on his level and he's always, no. you know, kind of been a bit su- superior to them. But he was actively looking at Robbie for confirmation of stuff. He was, you know, commending him. And also, I have to say, Louis Tomlinson, mm, less fussed about, but I like that he's continuing, continuing the X Factor tradition of some judges not being able to say performance and going performance. Nice tradition. Don't know if you recognise that. Are you slagging off a member of One Direction in this podcast? He's my get, least favourite. Careful, because I mean, I mean, you, all I'm saying is you will get One Dears. I've met them in person. I've interviewed them. Well, all of them. Oh, One Direction. Yeah. One Direction. Not, one Direction. not One Direction's yeah. fans. Mm. Fine. No, yeah, every single Let's fan. Just have some caution here. Well, you're saying you, you, the, the jury's out on him as a judge but he's you're not saying he's look, bad he's all right all, look i'm saying I think he's, he's all right judge so yeah. yeah he's fine so far i'm just saying he can't say the word performance oh okay all right he says performance like okay. gary barlow just confirm. anyway so that's first of my choices uh second of all have you been watching wonderlust yes john dan no but the pogs have <gasps> oh yes oh very handy see john dan he prints stuff out steph doesn't print anything out such a professional yeah uh yeah they pogs have actually mira jade says she loves it it's so nice to see more variety in the content of the new dramas being broadcast this autumn i agree do you agree boyd correct and gertie perkins um she says she loved it the writing's great some of the dialogue made her laugh out loud and the performances were fantastic especially tony collette and Stephen mcintosh also great to see a story all about sex with no gratuitous nudity when i was watching this so this is divided opinions, hasn't it? I think it's fair to say on Twitter. Like, there's a load of people who, like, think, oh, it's just really boring, it's really slow. Um, I think the problem is that BBC labelled this as the raunchiest show that's ever been on BBC. No, they didn't. They Are didn't. you sure? No. Okay, Actually well, it's not. been labelled. The wrongly. Daily Mail did or something. Fine. Yeah, the press. That's okay. very different. I don't think the BBC labelled anything like that. I stand corrected. Either way, it's been wrongly labelled because I think that makes you think kind of Fifty Shades and it's not oh. that, right? No. It's not that. What it does so well is, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's about um, Tony Collette plays a lady called Joy who's married to a guy I think called Alan and they've been married for a very long time and their sex life has gone a bit stale. She's a therapist, um, CBT, and she kind of talks to him about it and wants to, you know, she's had an, a bike accident. That's been the excuse for not having any sex. Then they try and, you know, give it a, a twirl and it doesn't go so well. Sex twirl. Yeah, mm. sex twirl, sexy twirls. And it's it's about the mundanity of marriage and mm. keeping a marriage alive and the, the sexual flame alive or whatever. And some people find that problematic, especially with older people. I know Steph would be oh, outraged at only, this. I'm not calling Steph one of these, but only stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with That's all due respect, Steph. yeah, she has got a little coyness, hasn't she, Steph? She doesn't like general sex situations no. on screen, is she? Let's no. face it. But to complain about, you know, to complain about have, daring to have a middle-aged, I mean, they're barely even middle-aged, you know, no. couple, Stephen McIntosh and Tony Collette, daring to depict them enjoying the sexual act in a TV drama is preposterous. But also, it's not even the enjoyment, it's the awkwardness yeah, of it. It's, it's the realness, awkward, right? It's right? Real, That's yeah, what it's good. Totally. It's like the unvarnished side of it, like girls my, yeah. did for sex ah, in, totally. as, in your 20s. Yeah. I know so these are just... your three, and I keep talking a lot about them, but no, sorry. No, absolutely. Let me just say my one... Should I give you my one um, complaint about the sh- Wanderlust? Mm. I don't quite buy 
Um, Zoe Ashton. Yeah, Zoe yeah. Ashton, who is a brilliant. Zoe, She's one of Zoe, 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 Zoe. Can't get any of the names right today. From out of that series with Jack Whitehall. Fresh, Fresh meat. Thank you. She is one of the most, like, attractive, smart, funny, likeable actors in yeah. British TV, right? And she falls for Stephen McIntosh. I didn't buy that. I mean, with all due respect to the Mac... <laughs> No, oh, is that the bit you, that you, yeah, you I, I can buy uh, that. Okay, his colleagues working together, right? I didn't get that. He's an older man. He's a, yeah, he's yeah. A nice that's my only issue with the whole. I think it's a great, great show. I think it's brilliant, and I and I love the whole idea of it. It's also, I loved William Ash, who is the guy from. He was in the Tunnel. Yeah, he's been in loads of stuff. He's yeah. been in loads of stuff. Yeah. I think was he in London's Burning? If I made that up. Probably. Anyway, he's got delightful dimples. I'm really into it. <laughs> William Ash and his delightful dimples. On his dimples. cheeks, his face cheeks. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. I'm really into it. I give it four stars. In fact. Last week it was about Riz Ahmed's lovely skin. This week yes. it's about some dimples. Yes. Lovely dimples. We're very into skin. Okay, my third choice very quickly is I took Walter's suggestion and also Elliot, our friend Elliot Gonzalez's suggestion of watching Locked Up on all four. Elliot of I Love Telefame. Yep. Yeah. Walter of Walter, Walter of Walter Walter language. Walter. He's Walter because he's German. Yeah. yeah. Check out Elliot's website, actually. It's really good if you love TV. Anyway, so they both suggested this drama because I love, as you know, Spanish dramas. And it's a Spanish thriller based on, like, it's on a young woman, naive young woman who gets locked up for fraud. And it's her life in prison. And it is really tense and it's really good. So I can recommend that. What's it called? Locked Up. <laughs> Were you joking then? No, but She's I don't think you said that it was called Locked Up until you I described it, that she was... No, I did... Well, did I, John? John, John? John, you're the adjudicator. Absolutely adjudicate. not getting involved. Just quick say I'm rewind. right. Quick rewind, quick rewind. You're both correct in your own ways. <sighs> Classic John. It's always good to remember that... Remind the listeners of what something it's called, though. Okay, Locked Up <laughs> on all four, available now. Very good Spanish drama. Jonathan. Hello. What are your three things in the section we call the three, named after the fact that we choose three things? Normally I bring three podcasts, but this week I'm bringing two podcasts and a TV show. Yes. I hope that's okay. John's watched TV. John, you have the freedom to do whatever the hell you want. Thank you so much. Shall I start with the TV show and then? Yeah, Maybe. let's do it. Yeah. Blow our minds Maybe. with that first. So this is Although a bit... I might be about to blow your minds with, with two of my three suggestions. Three well, podcasts. come on, let Joe bl- let John blow our minds first. Yeah, yeah, Don't get a, in there John first. Don't call me first. Joe. I've, I've got enough <laughs> names on this blooming <laughs> Joe podcast. Joe Dan. <laughs> no. Uh, so uh, the Luke McQueen Pilots is a BBC Three yes. show. What is uh, it? It is so. The concept is that Luke McQueen is a stand-up comedian. That that's all true, by the way. Oh, okay. So, but the concept is he goes to BBC Three and they try and get him to pilot new shows for BBC Three in the style of shows that they would show on BBC Three. So the oh, first my mind one is called blown. very meta. This yes. is making my headache. So the first one is called Britain's Hidden Vampire Crisis, <laughs> and so it's like a Stacey Dooley, Reggie Yates kind of documentary, yeah. but it's him trying to find out the truth about the vampire scene in the UK and it's him going to people and kind of the, the joke is he's just desperate for vampires to be real. And he'll go to these people and they'll be like, well, you know, they're vampires, like people who dress up as vampires. And he's like, yeah, but what about the real vampires? And it's just like him pushing and pushing and pushing to find real vampires in the UK. And it's does he, I mean, it'd be too much of a spoiler. Does he find them? Mm, uh, Noises. uh, And it's It's even more like even more meta he did these pilots. He's now protesting to make sure that they don't air, even though they in are the thing, airing, not in real life. In real life, on his Twitter, what? outside of the BBC. Well, I assume so. And <laughs> oh god, it's even so, too much. To the point, to the point of the meta-ness, I read a review of this show on Chortle today, mm. where inside the review, 
is his rebuttal to the review. Wow. Saying that oh, wow. he doesn't want, he agrees with any negative points in the review and he doesn't actually want this show being aired on television. It's, Amazing. It's something, it's quite interesting. I think I need to limber up for this. I need to get my mind But it's place. very funny because it's just even, you know, even just like they'll have little jokes like, you know, the whole walking to camera mm. whilst saying a piece but obviously in this because it's a comedy someone will get in his way and he'll have to finish the link like stood around like their again? shoulder so it's called the luke mcqueen pilots and this is britain's hidden vampire crisis and i believe <laughs> the second episode is called sex with my dad which is about him going to amsterdam with I'm his in. dad yeah it, it is great yeah i've seen i've seen um some of it, and I should have, in fact, alerted everyone to that earlier. So I'm highly grateful, oh. John Dan, for you uh, picking that show. Uh, second is it came out last Thursday. It's called "I Like Films" with Jonathan Ross. Yeah, not the what? most. It's a podcast by Jonathan Ross. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Say what the you see. The clue is in the. Say title. what you hear. Um, it is him doing long form interviews with filmmakers. Yeah. The first episode is Spike Lee, and it's quite like a a punchy interview where they're, they're kind of to and froing on these big topics like anti-Semitism because he's had claims of anti-Semitism in some of his earlier films about America today, about racism, all these kind of things, but done in quite, not in a light way, like not light as in there undermining the topics, but light in a way that it's very listenable and quite funny. And there's a bit towards the end where they're having an argument about Shaft versus Superfly and it could just be too two old friends just having a a nerdy film chat (laughs) and it's really great and it makes you realize you know why jonathan ross is jonathan ross because in 40 minutes he covers topics so many topics in depth i think sometimes with his itv show it's quite broad and it's quite like lots of people on a sofa now and Mm. stuff and so hearing him just one-on-one interview and he realized you know how he got to where he is today because he's just so good at interviews you've sanctioned him getting his job I think this podcast... Yeah, yeah. been the making of him. I think... <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, keep an eye out for yeah. this guy. I think he's going to be he's big. But it is, it is really exciting when I saw it, he, when, he, when I saw that it was, he was doing it because he, he the, one of the, he's, he's a huge film buff. Obviously, he did the film show yes. for years. But even before that, he did brilliant documentaries for Channel 4 about cult films and cult directors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mass, uh, huge. And um, that was his thing, really. Yeah. In, the, in his early days, you know, was, he, he got his own chat show on Channel 4 quite soon. But in his early days, it was all about, you know, quite out there, culty film type stuff was his thing, definitely. Um, and, he's, and his knowledge of, of film is huge. Yeah. And, um, and he's very opinionated. So I was very excited about this, yes. Yeah, no, it's a really good listen. What's the Legit. title again, uh, John Dan? <laughs> it is called I Like Films with Jonathan Ross. And I'll be honest with you, it's at this moment in time, maybe because it's brand new and, you know, the way search engines work. Oh, a tweet chat. Head around it. But basically, your best bet is to find him on uh, Twitter and it's probably the pinned thing because at the minute I tried searching, like, I like films with Jonathan Ross on Google and it, it's nowhere See, there. this is the kind of extra detail, extra fact from John Dan that mm. listeners going to love. Yeah. Right? Banging the table. Yeah. yeah if you look at Wossy on Twitter, yeah, he's, yes. he, he plugs it there. And finally, this isn't a full episode, but it's a trailer, but it's such an exciting trailer in the world of podcasts that it needs to be discussed. Um, mm. It is the Series 3 trailer for Serial. Whoa. Yes. I'm so excited about this. I saw this. So um, for, for Sharp the... Sharp intake of breath. <gasps> for the, the, the seven people in the world who listen to podcasts and haven't heard Serial, um, it's the Brian, third series. Timothy, yeah. Margaret. <laughs> thank you for, <laughs> thank you for listening to us, yeah. I guess. Um, so series one was about the 1999 murder of Haylin Mee and the conviction of Adnan Syed, which kind of like launched how 
crime podcasts yes. are. It was the like, first of its kind, right? That's the phenomenon of true crime podcasts. You can link it all back to the first episode of Serial. It won an award. Second uh, series was about Sergeant Bo Bergdahl, who was captured by the Taliban and charged with desertation. A lot of people didn't like that series as much. It was that disappointing second series, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I did like it, but then in the middle of that series, she started putting out episodes about court hearings for the Adnan Syed stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it made me realise how much more Absolutely, I loved yeah. that. So yeah. actually, weirdly, that decision was a bad idea because it made you re- remember yeah. how much you loved that first series. And this series, she's got access to the entire Cleveland court criminal system. And it's, it sounds ambitious, doesn't it? Yeah. Just the sheer hell of it. Yeah, so it's, mm. it's every aspect of the mm-hmm. Cleveland criminal system, which is an interest. It's an interesting choice, and I'm... I th- I'm looking forward. I'm very excited because, you know, Sarah Koenig, uh, the, the presenter, knows exactly what she's doing and I'm sure it'll be fascinating. But one of the things that was so great about the first series was it was, in terms of, like, narrative, it was such a small story. Obviously, mm. it was a big story for the people involved. I'm not trying to undermine what happened. But it was a very small c- case which was really easy to follow and it fascinating. And I do worry that looking after an entire state's criminal system is quite... A- ambitious and i don't know whether it will have the same mass appeal as i think she'll distill it to so. certain cases you're so confident don't, don't be concerned you're confident John of thank you yeah i'm i always back her you think it's gonna be a return to form for serial or did you were you happy with season two did you even listen to season two okay yeah oh. here we go here we go it's i opted out. out i heard i heard it's an opt out yeah i heard what it's now about she's and i was like giving it the big one about season three cause, yeah because i love season one and i always mm. you know have faith but yeah. i wasn't i wasn't drawn I in. i think it's an interesting interesting decision on her part yeah so that will be launching on the 20th of September. And as Boyd suggested earlier, I'm going to force you guys to yes. review that as part of the meet. That's not force. That's an absolute pleasure. Mm. I can't wait. Force it. That's it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jonathan. I too am starting with a podcast. Spoiler alert, I'm going to choose two podcasts. <gasps> You're such a copycat. No, you've done is, no, right? You've no. copied John. No, I'm glad, I'm, glad I only did, I'm glad no. I only did two as well, because imagine giving the listener yeah, five podcasts. It'd be, it'd be like a podcast podcast. That's what you're known for, John. Right. Does anyone do a podcast podcast? Just a podcast about other podcasts? Let's do it. There's another question for um, you. Gimlet Media did one for a little while, but they stopped it, and mm. I cannot think for the okay. life of me what it was called. Okay. Just checking. First of all, uh, I have to mention You Mean the Big C, which is the uh, podcast about three women dealing with having cancer um, in their different ways. And, of course, Rachel Hodges um, slash Rachel Bland died this week. And she did this podcast with her friends, Deborah and Lauren, and it's been going for a while. And it's been an incredible kind of... It's changed people's lives because it's been an incredible way of addressing the reality of cancer without being... Um, without sentimentalising it, without slipping into all the cliches about battling, you know, when, you know the, the battle I've fought, fighting it and all of that. And it's just dealing with the reality of it week in, week out. And um, it's, been a, it's been a phenomenal thing. And she, she died this week. And I knew Rachel, so I, I did, I used to do, Richard Bacon did a brilliant tribute to her on Five Live this week. Um, and in this episode of the podcast that went out, I was recording this today, Friday, went out yesterday, their special episode their tribute to their colleague and friend. Mm. Some of that's in there. Some of the five live tributes are in there. Loads of people uh, have talked about her. So I used to do, I used to, you know, it's not about me, but I did used to do every, most weeks I'd go on Richard Bacon's late night show. He used to do a, te- used to do a 10.30 to, to a one in the morning show wow. on five live. 
and I would go on most weeks. And the thing that she'd be the, she was the kind of uh, newsreader, almost slash sidekick, you know, to him. And um, they became great friends. And that was where I encountered her. And I used to see her all the time at Five Live. But what was the, the brilliant thing about that show was he created this thing called the special half hour. So the last half hour of the show from 12.30 to 1 in the morning. Is everyone just demob happy? It was demob happy. <laughs> so it was because like, so his, he, he, it was a brilliant idea. So the road dressing, I was getting really late and people are probably, you know, tuning out in their thousands from this show. <laughs> is to create like a club for the people who are following it through to the bitter end. Yeah. And this last half hour of the show went from being, you know, uh, what do we do to, to keep people listening, to seeing this ab- genuine phenomenon. Uh, called the, it was called the SSA, SHH, and people just go, shh, you know, it's all a secret <laughs> thing. It was so clever. And she was a key part of that whole thing. So she would drive, you know, the, she would explain listeners, she'd read out the listeners' responses to being as part of the special half hour club. And it was brilliant. It was so good. It was one of the best... One of the highlights of live radio mm. um, for me and many, many listeners of, re- of that period, you know, kind of a few years ago. It's probably like, must be going back, must be five, six, seven years ago. I'm terrible at remembering when things happened. But anyway, so that, so I used to see her like every week and, and she was so, she was just, as, as Richard does, I would say, listen to the show, listen to his tribute in full. If you can find it, you'll find it on Five Live because he says it all about how kind of clever and funny and honest she was just always let alone when she got this terrible illness and ended up doing this brilliant podcast but the podcast you mean the big c if you don't know about it is in itself a phenomenal podcast which is going to carry on without with the two brilliant um, co-hosts anyway talking about um, the reality of it and it just it just you know the whole thing was you know her whole thing was you know we british people never talk about death hard i guess in, in the West, when we did that um, Grayson Perry show about mm. how the West deals with death, she all one of the running things of it is we don't know how to talk about people dying, people are about to die with that, and she's she dealt with the whole thing so well. So it's like an object lesson in dealing with all of that. So that's that. That is a podcast, effectively. You mean the Big C, and I'm going to choose another podcast now. Jews schmooze. What? Yes. That is amazing. Jews I need to listen schmooze to it immediately. Is the new podcast. <laughs> Uh, hosted by David Schneider, who you'll recognise from being in a lot of Alan Partridge shows. Um, he was in um, Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Partridge. He was Smell My Cheese. So when, when <laughs> Alan Partridge shoved a huge lump of cheese icon. in the face of Tony Hayes, the BBC uh, commissioner, Smell in that my all, cheese. all-time classic comedy episode, one of the greatest moments of TV comedy of all time, David Schneider was the man whose cheese he smelt or not. <clears throat> Anyway, he's also a prominent Jew. As am I, of course. Well, I'm a Jew. I'm not prominent. He has started this podcast. It was actually one of his guest's ideas. So it's him, David Schneider, and a group of five other media Jews talking about this current situation we're in. You may have heard of it. The controversies surrounding Jeremy Corbyn, the Labour Party, the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism. Can any of you follow that no. in granular detail? Well, I'm going to listen to now this you podcast. Can. Yeah. yeah. It's all. It's it's one of the big topics, political issues of our time. I'm obsessed with it anyway. Like I'm always reading about it, and there's people arguments raging. People have gone absolutely ludicrously over the top about it. Is Jerry Corbyn anti-Semitic or not? What's your top line feeling about that? Just very briefly. Right. I mean, let's, my top very, line feeling is it's making John nervous. Jeremy, save, it, save it for Juice Smooth. <laughs> yeah, save it for Juice Smooth. Um, my top line feeling is yes or no. Just say yes or no. No, he's not anti-Semitic, okay. and they don't think he is either. Which is oh, that's a spoiler alert. Okay, they don't. Yeah, so in it, they're a group of left-wing. This is what I should mention. They're a group of left-wing Jews across the spectrum of left-wing Jewishness. Mm-hmm. 
And if you don't understand it and you find it all too confusing... I'm, I'm, going, I'm oh, yeah. honestly, downloading this as soon as I get so out of this room. absolute must-listen about the issue. And not... Because David Steins is also a funny guy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's Jew Schmooze. Episode one went out this Ooh, that's week. that's a good recommendation. Listen to it. And finally, a non-podcast. I know we, we reviewed the first episode. Uh, we've mentioned it on and off since it started. Succession on Sky Atlantic. The one with Macaulay Culkin's brother. The one with Macaulay Culkin's yes. brother. And, and Donald um, Southern? No. No. <laughs> Glover. Bro- Glover? No. No. What? No, shut up, John. <laughs> Trapped. It's Brian um, Thingy. Blessed. No. Oh, my God. Now I've forgotten his surname Brian as well. Cox. <laughs> Brian Cox. And it's not, the, it's not the scientist Brian Cox. It's the actor Brian Cox, who also played Hannibal Lecter in, in that Hannibal Lecter film. Anyway, Brian Cox is the head of the family. He's the Rupert Murdoch, let's face it, star figure at the head of this family. It's all about his kids fighting to succeed him, but he, he's staying on anyway. I've now, so what I'm saying is now I've watched the whole thing. What do you say? All 10 episodes. It is one of the best things of this year. Really? So it much good stuff. Better. It's so much good stuff. Holy cow. It's all on, so Skylantic put it out weekly. It's yeah. still going on weekly. I think they're up to like five or six episodes now, live if you like, every week on Skylantic. But the box set is there to watch, to, to binge on. It's so addictive. It's so brilliantly written because it's it was created by the creator of... Um, Peep show. Uh, thank you, Peep Show. <laughs> thank you. And a lot of the writers involved in the thick of it, you know, that yep. Armando Nucci show. So it's kind of, it's consistently funny. It's brilliantly funny. The dialogue is incredibly witty. Everyone in it is talking in a very witty and yet believable way. But the situations are so dramatic and compelling. And the finale is absolute genius. Oh, God. Boyd, you've had a run of good suggestions. Yeah. You can stay. Yeah. So, Succession. It's on Sky Atlantic. Slash Now TV. Now. All 10 episodes. Check it. And now it's what do we call this bit? The bit where a person on the ground, a pog, chooses a, a thing. Is it pog picks? Pog picks. That's pog it. Picks. Right. Do I turn to Kay to tell us you can what a person on the ground Always. has chosen? Okay, so this is from Matt AVFC. What football club is that? Aston Villa. Of course it is. At every song sung, that is his handle. Nice. And he says the thing that he would recommend at the moment is Jack Ryan. He's mm. really enjoyed the first five episodes, and he also gives a second one. He says all oh, controversial one. Guillermo del Toro's Troll Hunters has just started on kids' channel Pop this week. Wow. Featuring the voice of the much-missed Anton Yelchin, so the masses have access to some exemplary animated adventures. So two choices there. I'm fairly certain that's on Netflix as well, uh, Troll Hunters. Oh, really? Mm. Have you been checking I know, it out? I have actually. John has been watching but it. It sounds, like, yeah, it sounds like the kind of thing I would watch and pretend I haven't, but I genuinely haven't. He's into it. Or have um, Also, just say that Lee Carter's also endorsed Jack Ryan on Amazon, and he says it's enjoyable. Lee popcorn Carter? Pap. Isn't he in EastEnders? Lee Carter is a character. Boyd, I'm impressed by your so standards knowledge. This this person, Lee Carter, is actually at Night Sun seventy three. Okay, not the actor, but uh, I'm enjoying Jack Ryan as well. It is good. Yeah, it's it's um it, it is really well done. Like it's a properly cinematic thing. And John is that Krasinski, the one with John Krasinski? Krasinski? Yeah, indeed. Did we review it? Did we review it on the show? No, no. Oh. That was. Uh, I think that was the week that between pods. No, was it? I wonder what we did. We would have done. Should have done. So that's a great choice mm. because it is. A, and it's. I think it's you know, Amazon Prime. Let's face it. They need to butt their ideas up because they haven't got enough. All right, boy. They're trying their best. No, no, no they're trying these their best. Harsh words from you. I know, no, but if you compare it to Netflix, I mean, not everything on Netflix is great. I say this all the time, but Amazon definitely need a few big hitting shows, and this is definitely one of them. Okay. So if you would like to get your pog pick read out on the podcast at basic binges on Twitter, send us a DM or um, just, you know, tweet at us. Um, there are some other ones that have been suggested that we might oh, say for they? a future week. Oh, okay. So cool. no spoilers. I think actually one was Wonderlust. So I've already discussed that. Thank you very much. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And now on to the meat, Kay. Yes. Let's tuck into Killing Eve. It starts on BBC One next Saturday, the 15th of September at 9.15pm. At the same time, well, by 10 o'clock, by the time the first episode is aired, you'll be able to see the rest of it as a BBC iPlayer box set slash BBC Three. It's a slightly confusing terminology by the BBC these days because BBC Three isn't a channel. It's a brand now. But they're marketing this as part of BBC Three on the iPlayer as a box set, as well as showing it every week on BBC One. Confused? Why? That's all so that, confusing. I know, but all that matters is... What's Auntie doing? What is she doing? <laughs> all that matters is you can watch it every week, if you like, live on BBC One, or you can watch the whole thing, binge the whole thing from Saturday night, the 15th. What it is, is based on the novellas by Luke Jennings, who he... Who he, he is the dance critic of The Observer. Is he? Yes. Extraordinary he scenes. This? He wrote this. <gasps> I know. I thought it was Phoebe no, Waller-Bridge. No, no, Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag fame adapted oh, the I novella. Thought it was an original. No, she was given the novella. His first novella, which is also an ebook, by the way. This is the extraordinary story of how I this show the show came about. It's a great story. She was given the given the ebook to read by a TV producer who loved it. She loved it. They got together. They thrashed out um, the idea to turn it into a TV show. She has written her entire self this first eight part season, which has become a phenomenon on BBC America. They showed it on BBC America earlier this year, like months ago, and everyone's kind of been complaining. All the TV nerds like me have been complaining. Why, oh, why have you had to wait so long? Yeah, it is annoying. To arrive on BBC because it was a huge word of mouth hit. In America, the first episode, between episode one and two, it went up. Viewership went up 80%, which never happens. 80% is, that's a lot. It's incredible. And all the critics loved it. Obviously, Phoebe Waterbridge is a genius. We know that from Fleabag. Mm. It stars, she's not in it though. It stars Sandra Oh, of Grey's Anatomy fame as Eve of the title, who is a MI5 security officer, but she's not a glamorous spy catcher type. She's not a glamorous agent running around the world like James Bond. No, she's, she's real. She's at her desk. Mm. Pencil pushing. Pencil pushing, indeed. And that's the kind of milieu we were introduced initially. She's in a, she's in a nice marriage with a lovely guy, but let's not say, it's not all, it's not, her life isn't full of excitement and thrills. Because no. I think she works very much. She's MI5. frustrated. At the same time, we meet Villanelle, played by Jodie Comer, of Dr. Foster fame. She was the she was the mistress, the young mistress. Do you Kate. remember? Brilliant in Dr. Mm. Foster. Um, she is a psychopath. 
a professional killer hired we don't know quite know by whom and how but we meet her kind of her fixer her boss effectively played Middle by Kay oh but who's Martin from the bridge yes Martin from the bridge so exciting to have very him back very exciting to have him back mm. he, he's in charge of her and he kind of she gets her, her her missions and we see her on her missions but she clearly she's a psychopath she really enjoys killing these people these important people generally that she has to assassinate and the story is all about how Eve Sandra O's character is obsessed with the idea of female assassins and they kind of end up in this cat and mouse situation where they're kind of chasing each other and that's the general gist of it. Kay Ribeiro, what the hell did you think? Oh my God, I loved it. Because you'd watched it first and you said it was good, but obviously, you know, I like to be the judge myself. Well, and you never believe anything I say. No, I think the reverse. So um, I really thought it was good because I would never... If you thought, you know, you said to me, oh, who do you cast as, you know, this MI5 operative? I would never think of Sandra Oh, but yet she is the perfect choice for it. So whoever cast her is a genius booking because she is great. And I think she's got all the warmth and the realness of that character. You, you believe that she is this kind of frustrated office worker and she's fantastic. And I really love the relationship she has with, I think, is it Bill, her boss, yep. who is played by David Haig, who is in Four Weddings and is... He's just got funny bones. He's, he's fantastic. He's yeah. the funniest person in it, I think. Yeah. It is a funny, it's a funny anyway, but he is like, their relationship is so good because they're equals in a way, even though he's mm. her boss and they have this like banter and it's really good. And I also think that just Jodie Comer is fantastic because she is, as you say, she's a psychopath, but she's so charismatic. So I ended up sort of rooting for her in a way just mm. because she's likable. Yeah. And that's part of how she is successful as a contract killer yeah. is that she's just a, a pretty young woman who you wouldn't assume would uh, murder you within a second. It's addictive. I can't wait. I'll give it... Oh, I'm not going to tell you my star rating. Sorry. <gasps> cool, you're oh, dead. Yes. Sorry. Ooh. It's like I forgot the format of the last hundred years. Sorry. That was a close one. Jonathan? I'd have, I'd have had to start close, again. I'd have to turn totally. off the recording device. All yeah. right. John, Johnny, Jonathan. Um, I thought it was, it was amazing how it... I, I know this is one of your pet hates, Boyd, the idea of like people having an issue with tonal inconsistency. Yes. Ooh. But, and no, 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 I, I don't, I do not oh, have an issue go. with, I think it's one of those shows that's great because it balances all the things it's doing perfectly. And you, to describe it to someone, it's kind of like in between what, like a cinematic thriller and just a laugh out loud comedy. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing how they've blended those two things actually very well. One of the things you were saying about the fact that you kind of root for um, the assassin played by Jodie Comer, I think the show definitely isn't presenting her as the antagonist. She is. There's essentially just two protagonists. At this moment in time, I think, particularly with the first episode, you, they're just presented as two characters. Mm. You see you see this, the world from both of their perspectives, whereas like traditionally maybe a villain would be not seen as much or like yeah. presented in a way that you kind of look at them rather than with yeah. them. And I think that that's She's why... exciting to watch, like, on yeah. s like getting up to all her shenanigans. There is a... Oh, I don't know. There's a sequence in Tuscany that is <laughs> so, like, cinematic straight out of the yeah. film. And, yeah, you just... Even though it's entirely amoral, it is fun to watch her do horrible Killing things. can be fun, you can admit that. Yes. Not in real life. Absolutely. On screen. <laughs> Violence, that's the thing, that's the thing, that's the great thing that this show embraces. One of the many great things this show embraces is that, let's face it, be real, violence is one of the key factors in, particularly in film, that 
can be entertaining. Think of you know, think of Quentin Tarantino. You know, yeah. that was that was kind of one of I think one of the, the reasons why he became a phenomenon is because he shamelessly embraced the actual joy, so to speak, yeah. of watching on screen mm. brilliantly done violence and psychopathy <laughs> and killing people. And it can be incredibly entertaining. And, and there's no reason to be ashamed of being entertained by fictionally watching it on screen. And this embraces that. I'm not saying it's anywhere, any, anything like Quentin Tarantino because it isn't. It's its own thing. You're right. The tone is totally unique, isn't it, I think. Mm. But interesting you mentioned how it's, it's following the two of them at the same time equally. Because mm. one of the big – I went to the launch of it this week and there was a Q&A afterwards with Phoebe Waller-Bridge Bong. and the cast, which was great, by the way. It was a brilliant – some Q&As can be annoying – um, and disappointing. This was did not lead down anyway. Everyone was so interesting. And one of the really interesting things she said was one of the big changes from adapting the books to this was that the book was pretty much. I think it's called. They're called the Villanelle um, novellas because they're about her. They're about uh. the psychopath character. Mm. And the investigator from Marvel is kind of a, is, is almost like a side issue, whereas she's totally made them equal. Oh, this is fifty fifty equal importance. Mm. Yeah. So it's two big stories cut together, and they and then. And they're both well-drawn characters. Brilliantly well-drawn. Supporting characters are brilliant. Fiona Shaw is in it. Is in it. Fiona Shaw, great theatrical British actress, who is in The Black Dahlia, which is a completely demented Brian De Palma film of a few years ago. And she is incredibly over the top. If you want to see Fiona Shaw doing the most over-the-top performance you might ever see in the history of cinema, check out The Black Dahlia, which is a deeply flawed film but she is incredible in it hilarious in it check that out she's brilliant in this totally understated wit as his boss this kind of new boss mi5 who kind of gets him get sorry her who gets um sandro's character to work for her without wanting to spoil yeah she anything. is good i darren boyd's in it as well darren boyd's in it as well yeah exactly one of our favorites everything about this is brilliant and I think it's really good. Now, I think the reason we've had to wait so long for it is I think partly the BBC was like, we've got to be, it's got to be one of our big autumn things. We want to save it for autumn, the big season. We're going to show it Saturday but nights. And we're going to make it. Why do they have to, like, come on? The bodyguard is over soon. We'll get to that later, of course. Mm. But it's phenomenal. Five stars from me. Five stars from me. Five stars from me. Oh, so predictable, John. Killing Eve is on BBC One live on Saturday, the 15th of September at 9.15. And you can watch the whole thing immediately afterwards on the iPlayer. Let us move on to the film Crazy Rich Asians, which, full disclosure, yeah, as John, so, John was too lazy to come to the screening. Has not been able to see. I was, I was substituted too late in the day. <laughs> he is a busy man. Yeah. We went on a date night, you and me, didn't we, Boyd? We did. Okay, tell us more about this cinematic phenomenon. Okay, this rom-com is about a New Yorker called Rachel who is going out um, with a boy called Nick played by Henry Golding and she's um, Constance Wu and they're very much in love and he's originally from Singapore and gets invited to a friend's wedding and so he decides this is a perfect moment to introduce her to his family um, you can tell he's a little bit rest- he's a bit worried about that but he wants to do it and so he invites her to Singapore with him what she doesn't realise, what she soon learns rapidly on the plane, is that he is from an extraordinarily wealthy family. And she's from a very humble background. She's, you know, very intelligent and established in her own right, but she's not from the same background as him. And this slowly becomes apparent throughout the whole film and as part of the humour of the film is that, you know, she's that kind of fish out of water and how they're from different 
backgrounds and they go to Singapore and it's basically her trying to ingratiate herself with his family particularly his like really unwelcoming snooty mother and the rest of his family who don't really embrace her I think it's safe to say um and very safe (laughs) and it's about the other people in his life who actively try and put her off and break them up that's it the end that's what I'm prepared to say that's good that you're not prepared to say anymore because that would be to spoil the enjoyment Mm. of what is this is a bit of a pop culture phenomenon, isn't it? Because mm. it's a it's become a massive hit in America. I think it's on. It was like number one in the box office top ten for three or four weeks. It may even still be number one now. Um, I should have checked before recording this podcast. But you know, for a fairly you know medium budget you know romantic comedy with an all Asian cast, which is a first, obviously for a big mainstream. Yeah, that's American the biggest thing. thing. It's that's groundbreaking. Thing. Right? It's groundbreaking on that sense. It's been an unbelievably big hit. Um, you know, make, it's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars, and I'm sure it'll be a, a, a big hit here. So I think that's one of the inter- interesting things about it is, and it's kind of brought back the romantic comedy, which, let's yes. face it, was slightly in the doldrums. There hasn't been a good one in so many years. I think the big sick counts. That's that the one I was oh, trying to yeah, think. Do you remember not, the big sick was, you know. That felt like. Indie. Yeah, it's more than that. Yeah, it's yeah. more because that's got a whole other thing it's dealing with. But it, there definitely was partly a romantic comedy. I mean, mm. I, but it's not like that. It's not all traditional. about. It's not traditional because this is all about the romance and will it will it survive the challenges? Whereas the big sick was different. I agree. So it's a pure old school proper romantic comedy, which this definitely is. It succeeds brilliantly, doesn't it? In in kind of just making it feel fresh. And funny. Now, my I, when we came out of the cinema, I did express my nitpicky point. It's so I, nitpicky. It's, but I have to say, Listeners you know, I've got I'm to like, tell you. I felt because I was really looking forward to it. Like, you know, the reviews have been great in America. I knew how much such a hit it was. I'd heard all the all the pre-release kind of buzz. I thought the first twenty to thirty minutes weren't that funny. There were like bits of it that were clever and funny and amusing, but I didn't feel they were. It was like particularly it was almost for me. There was actually not that many jokes in the first 20 to 30 minutes of what is a comedy um, quickly but then once that was once they arrive in you know for the wedding the big wedding then it all kicked off once we met you know her best friend who's brilliant in it uh, played by Aquafina who's fantastically funny then it all began for me and it was like yes and the next because you know it's a basically a two-hour film then the next hour and a half worked brilliantly I thought was really funny and clever and emotionally works totally as well Okay, I when we when you said that when you came out the cinema, we did have a minor disagreement because I was like, "Look, it's a rom com. Yes. Doesn't matter that the first twenty minutes weren't as laugh as out loud as the rest of it." Things I loved about this: the fact that it is an all Asian cast, because I just think it's so important about the representation. So I I love it for that reason only. But more than that, to be to represent is great, but it has to be good. And I, that's the thing that I love. It's like it is really really good. There's no like I don't cringe throughout it. They didn't rely on lazy stereotypes. It was funny in its own right. Aquafina is the best character in it. She's the, I think you said, the eccentric best friend. Yeah. Bok, bok, bitch is my favourite line in it. You'll, it'll make sense yeah. when you watch it. And you know how, sorry to interrupt, you know how mm. in Ocean's um, 8, was it? Was that yeah. the one about this year? all female. <laughs> she was in that totally yes. wasted. She's as used brilliantly in this as mm. she was totally wasted in that. She Just steals saying. the show. She steals the show in this. But She's... there's loads of her in it. She gets a yes. meaty, brilliant, funny Yes, role. yes, yes. yes and also her dad in it, I can't remember the actor's They're all name. hilarious, yeah. Yeah, they're all really, really funny. Mm. And I think Constance Wu, so the leading lady, is great because... She doesn't feel like that kind of lame female in the rom-com who's just like, you know, reliant on the man. She's a bit weak and 
you know, whatever. She's strong, she's independent, she doesn't care that they're being awful to her, she rises above it, and she's quite funny in her own right. So, yes, I thought she was, I thought this whole thing was a triumph. It's really good. It's quality. It's a quality film. It's a proper quality film as well as being a historic thing for the, as you say, for the diversity reasons. But, you know, if it hadn't been good, then I think it would have, you know, it would have been... Oh, God, a, yeah. Rid, a, a huge disappointment because yes, everyone's of been course. waiting for this A wasted moment. opportunity. A wasted opportunity. I'm going to give it four and a half stars. Okay, I'm giving it five Fine. because I laughed out loud a lot and yeah. I am going to buy this on DVD. I'm only removing the half star for the, I think, not enough jokes first 25 minutes. Oh, God, boy drive me nuts sometimes crazy rich asians is in a cinema near you from friday the 14th of september 2018 <laughs> that's good always clarify the year it's always dealing facts because you know in two years time when people are listening back to the classic episodes of basic bingers just for the sheer hell of it <laughs> they're not going to want to think oh i'm going to go pop to cinema and see crazy rich asians <laughs> crazy rich really asians good... 2 will be out by then yes oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah the there's, sequel's there's been three, signed up there's three novels apparently that oh. based on Good fact. Look, he didn't watch the film and he oh. comes with the facts. John, have you been inspired? Are you going to go and see it now? I really want to see it, yeah. It's it's taken a while. It wants a little bit like Killing Eve, but more understandably because it's not by the BBC. It was over. It, it feels like it's yeah. been on our Twitter feeds and all over the news because of the, how well it's doing in America. And it's still... So it's felt like it's been a little while coming, this film. So I'm looking forward to well, seeing it. Well, it's come it. now, John. I urge you to see it. I'm looking forward to it. I get the sense that if you don't see it between <laughs> now and the next podcast, Kane might be furious with you. Yeah. Okay. Finally, in the meet, it is time for Michael Palin in North Korea for the Channel 5. Going out next Thursday, this is 20th September at 9pm. John, what the hell is this? Um, a little behind the curtain, Boyd has wonderfully provided me with um, like a press release for it. But at the top it says, Michael Palin in North Korea, Channel 5 and a half. Ooh. I don't know what channel that is. <laughs> that is a new channel. <laughs> it's a spin-off. And instead, you know the Plus One channel? Yeah, half an oh, hour later. Yeah, you can watch that. half an hour later. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh, please do that, Channel 5. Yeah, that's not true. What that is, shall I explain that? What it is, that's me putting one of two. So this is a two-parter. Oh, my God, uh, is that yeah. what that is? And it's been turned into a half. I Listen, see. but Channel 5, yeah. if you want to buy that concept off us of doing yeah. half an hour later... I think it's a new future. Yeah, channel and it's half. very good. Anyway. So Michael Palin, Python, one of the Monty Python group, since since then has become kind of the the guy for uh, travel documentaries on TV. And, I mean, we haven't got a lot of time, so I'm not going to spend too much time going through his entire resume. It's it, he's, he's the guy who does all the, the best travel documentaries. And Himalaya, Sahara... Okay, he's going to go through all of yeah, them. Yeah, just a no, couple. No, no, yeah. no, because they're the no, ones that I watched growing up. Yeah, Sunday night was, was all about up. watching Michael Palin. Yeah. I'm and, very young, remember. And so this one is of particular note because he's going to North Korea, which is a country that is, you know, has been hither, uh, hither and to. Is that the word? Oh, John. Is that the right? Hither to, I think. Hither, I don't know. It's hither and to, I'm going with. Hibbity-bibbity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hibbity-bibbity is my new favourite thing. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. Until this point, uh, hasn't really been available for access to journalists in this kind of way. So that's why it's of real note. In the first episode, the, is it, have we all seen just the first episode? Mm-hmm. Yes. He why, visits... how many did you watch? No, no, no. It's just because he teased. Uh, you watch spoilers, a half, another half. <laughs> uh, spoilers at the end, he teases the second episode where. So in the first episode, he visits Pyongyang, which is the capital of North Korea. In the second episode, he teases the fact that he's going to go kind of further out into North Korea, which I think might be even more interesting, actually. Okay, what did you think? I, know, we're all I love Palin, right? Love, who doesn't love Palin? I mean, exactly. It's ridiculous, you know, to say that. But I did enjoy this, and 
I thought was interesting is the fact that it shows you behind the pro- like almost the machinations of how, what went into trying to make mm, this happen. Behind so the like, behind, yeah, very much behind the curtain. So he's on the train and he gets within the first ten minutes of being like the show starting. You see that he has to wait for an hour when he gets those passports taken away from him. What's interesting is that even to go into this country and make this documentary, which is kind of groundbreaking in itself, is that he has a army of, well, no, like an entourage of officials with him controlling everything he sees and says and does. And it just really kind of sets a tone of like, you know, what what it's like in North Korea. And I just found it, it's, it's completely fascinating. I think there wasn't, I was slightly disappointed at the oh. end of it. Cause I, no, only just because I was like, I was like, oh, I want more. I didn't realise it was a series. I thought it was a one-off. And I, if it oh. was a one-off, I would have been disappointed. But because I, I think it could have put more in that first episode. However, given the restrictions you then become more sympathetic to that. Um, but I love the fact that he's so good at, because of his comedy background, he's very good at relating to people and making people feel at ease. He goes into a school and chats to the school kids and stuff. The school was the best part. He was really good, you mm. know, interacting with them, finding out, you know, how they view the world and stuff like that. Also, he becomes completely mesmerised, as did I, by the traffic police who do this, like, weird little robotic dance thing, which is worth watching the show just for that. We're all young women. Yeah. The room is personally selected by the, oh, uh, yeah. what's his name? Kim President, Jong, yeah. Kim Jong, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Kim Jong-un. I thought it was really, fa- I mean, it's a great idea. Mm. To, to get any kind of access in North Korea on film is, is, is pretty exciting. I've seen bits like Newsnight, I think, um, Michael Crick's done the odd um, investigation, almost like undercover. And I think there was a the panorama a couple of years ago that literally was like took a group of students and, and went undercover among them to film secretly in North Korea. Oh my god! Yeah, um, but we really don't see. This is the lo- almost like the last place on earth, isn't it? Where we just don't see. Oh yeah, um, what it's, it's been really like, like. cut so, off from the world for seventy yeah. years. There's no internet. So no. just the moment, what I thought, and I, as you say, it's the behind. It was the transparency of it. And this is my, and I bang on about this all the time with documentaries. But for me, documentaries can be divided into ones that are transparent and the ones that aren't. Mm. And this is totally transparent. They took that absolutely correct decision. So you literally, as as the train is going, drawing in to North Korea, and you're watching Palin looking at what he's seeing outside the window of the train. The, the fact that. There are these huge roads and, and there's no cars on them at oh all. Oh my God, it's, it's so like, it's surreal. It's like a des- deserted place, isn't it? This huge, big, the first thing he sees. And he's, him seeing that for the first time and reacting to that and just saying it, where are they? There's no, well, there are no cars on this road. From every single step of the way, it's that transparent, even mm. to the point of where, so he keeps telling us that the minders won't let him go here and there. They have to yeah. turn the cameras off at one point. All of that, I thought it was absolute object lesson in making a very clear open documentary about a really closed mm. unseen place so i thought it was really interesting it, it i'd imagine it's, it's probably nothing like any of his other documentaries because of the fact yeah, that it's no. actually more about how he Process. can't get yeah. access yeah. than it is about what he gets access to um i won't spoil it but in the classroom scene there's an amazing poem that a girl does yes. at the end and there is at one point, the minders take him on a Sunday to see what they do on the weekend and the activities they choose to do. <laughs> I won't, I won't say them now. I think we should They're be doing peculiar. them as a team. It's Us weird, lot. isn't it? It's really mm. weird. Yeah, I, I, you know, this is on Channel Five. I have to. I admit, I'm biased. I have an anti-Channel Five. I've, I feel like you know. Channel 5, it's been going for decades now, hasn't it? And like I always say with Channel 5, you know, they do have good shows. They have some, they've had some really good documentaries. But it's, its whole thing now is factual. It's pretty, you know, they hardly ever have any scripted drama or comedy. And I think it's weird for a mainstream, one of the five mainstream channels on TV to, to pretty much just have 
factual shows. At one point, it was all about, you know, people of benefits. Anyway, well, I'm that long story yeah, short. Yeah, but if they're doing this kind yeah. of documentary, then go for it. They, Just do these. And it's been turned into a huge success by the current regime that owns it. Um, and this is a really good show. This would be absolutely a brilliant show on BBC One, nine o'clock on a Sunday night. I want more episodes, though. Two's not enough well, for me. Well, I think maybe they end up thinking, you know, this is what we could film. This is what the footage we got. It's as long as it can yeah. be, maybe. I think it's, I'm going to get four and a half stars. I'm One of the four, best things I've ever seen on Channel I'm getting five. four stars. Uh, four and a half for me, please. Thank you. <laughs> Michael Palin is in North Korea on Channel 5, Thursday, the 20th of September at 9pm. Okay, it's hitting my iPhone. Um, trying to find so out He time. wants to okay. know how long we've been wittering on <laughs> for. We're doing a spoiler special, quick spoiler special, as we've done last week we did one, didn't we? Yeah. About um, shop objects. This week, the bodyguard... Not the bodyguard. Bodyguard is the TV hit of the year. In fact, it's the biggest TV drama launch for about a decade. And we're now up. Episode four has just gone out on Sunday. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, and every week there's huge stuff happens in Bodyguard. But another huge thing happened this week in Bodyguard, and we're going to have a quick spoiler special discussion about it now. So if you haven't seen it yet, John, you haven't seen it, yet, have you? I have. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you have. Oh, yeah, good. yeah. Don't worry. I'm here. Stick Dude. around. I'm here. If you listener haven't heard it, then stop listening now. I, so the reason Boyd thought I might not have seen it is because I started shaking my head, but it wasn't at you, Boyd. It was at Jed. Oh. Cheeky, uh, Jed cheeky Mercurio, Jed. the yeah. creator and writer, who toys with our emotions. Oh, yeah. my God, does he? Piece of work. <laughs> so the big thing, so in episode three, there was this big explosion in where um, the Home Secretary was giving Keely a speech. Halls. Played by Keely Hawes. So the two main characters in this whole thing are Keely Hawes' Home Secretary and Richard Manners, her bodyguard. They've now, they became an item. They have a big... Big um, love, sex, romance God, thing going on, which some people didn't approve of. By the way, some oh, people, yeah, gosh. yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was very believable. Stop hating sex, people. Exactly, that became a big thing. Then, right late on in episode three, suddenly there was a huge, big explosion. A big speech she was giving, and she was taken to hospital, and she was critical. He was fine. He's now investigating, carrying on investigating the case. Who's responsible for this? There's clearly big things going on at the top of mm, government and among the police and the security services. We can't work out who's doing what to whom. There's definitely dodgy dealings going on somewhere with some people. And then in episode four, and this is the big thing that happens, first of all, she is dead. So one of the two Gone. main characters dead. in this show, in classic Mercurio style, he loves killing off his big stars. I mean, he did it in the first episode of the of Line of Duty, famously. Um, he did it in, you know, like the second episode of another He's a maverick, I love he's that. He's a maverick. So he's killed off one of his two main characters in episode four. I mean, he kills her off in episode three, the, but then makes it clear she's dead in episode four. That's, I think that's the thing that's like, he, he, he bro- he's totally broken the rules. Yes. Because the explosion happens and you see her lying upside down on the stage, which in TV rules means she's not dead. Exactly. Mm. exactly. And then you wait half an hour. Yeah. John, never assume. It yeah. makes yeah. an ass out of you. You're right. You've hit your finger on the nub. Is that he takes these things, these cliches of TV drama, and totally turns them on their head. So I think, my theory is, because people are complaining about the romance, saying, oh, you know, A, that would have happened. Actually, it does happen. It has happened. People have talked about examples where mm. literally politicians, bodyguards have had affairs with them or their partners. In fact, Cressida Dick, who said it Chris, doesn't yes. happen, is the one right. who actually, um, years and years ago, exactly. had to... Um, 
discipline someone for yes. that same so thing. So it was reported in this week's private eye. Mm. Anyway, but I think he I think he was aware of the fact that in this day and age in TV drama, for the two male and female protagonists to end up in a romance is what you don't do. So he's that's already a flip, as far as I'm concerned, because people are not expecting them, especially since in the film The Bodyguard. Yeah. Of course, that's what it's all about. So I think that was an immediate flip, that they do end up in a relationship. Then it's, he was constantly intimating that the Richard Madden, the bodyguard, was going to hate her and try yeah. and kill her. And you kept asking me about that, didn't you, Kay? Yeah. He's like, when's he going to kill her? When's he going to yeah. kill her? Well, of course, no. I thought that's up, how she died. Right. I thought, oh my God, he's flipped. No, he's flipped that. Because yeah. he ends up falling in love with her to the point so much where... So does he fall in love with her? Of course, yeah. Well, now she's now she's dead. Oh, now... now the other thing that yes. happened in episode four, which you also live tweeted me about or live texted <laughs> me about when you saw it... Just sent a text. ...is that his character tries to kill himself. Oh, God. Okay. And doesn't. And the only reason he doesn't is because his gun has been filled with blanks, which, by the way, becomes a key plot point later on, because I've now seen episode five and mm. half of episode six. So all of these incredible things are total reversals of what you're expecting and incredibly exciting um, developments. And, I, and, I, and people are already saying, oh, this wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen. It's, it's unbelievable. I'm going to quickly say mm. it, you can't make a dramatic comment without breaking eggs. He is breaking these eggs... <laughs> And he's walking that line between believable and unbelievable. And for me, always, and even things that I don't buy necessarily immediately, I accept it because it's all about thrilling us and pulling the rug from under our feet and making it as exciting as humanly possible. And that's the brilliant thing about it. My bottom line about this is that it's not an effing documentary. It's a very, very good drama. So for the people who are saying, oh, this wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen, no shit, Sherlock, it's a drama. You need to dramatise this. You need to make it interesting. If we actually saw a bodyguard, like, protecting an M- MP or Home Secretary, it's not going to be that interesting, I'm sure. There's going to be a lot of waiting around. No one wants to see it. So, yeah, for people who say that, I think that's silly. This has been an amazing drama. It's the biggest drama of BBC, right? And what did you say? So that's what I said at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. So the proof's in the pudding. Did you see, John, that on um, Camilla Long, is it? You know, the Sunday oh, Times yeah. film, a TV critic, said after episode three went out that this was now one of the worst dramas of the year alongside McMafia. That's what she said. So all the backlash is in full swing. People are now saying, you know, actually they've gone from saying it's so successful that now everyone has to take a position on it. What do you think? It's like the opposite of McMafia, isn't it? Because the problem that a lot of people had with McMafia is they kind of got halfway through the first episode and were like, yeah. weren't fussed. No, no. Whereas the well, thing the first Jed... episode was instant feel, but then the sec- then subsequently had a bit of a dip. I think, yeah. And then this, but which, well, even if it was incident filmed, it's not as incident filled no, as God, no. the first 20 minutes no. of this show, which. Yeah, and also your idea of a dip for Jeb Mercurio is like different to a normal drama. Do you know what I mean? Because oh, his, cause oh, no, his dramas no are so. This. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, I meant, I meant episode two. Sorry, oh, right. I meant, sorry. I, oh, I don't feel Let's any always dip. be clear. Always be clear. Oh, no, in, in episode two of this, you had the school oh, fine. explosion. You know, you, oh, I thought you'd lost your mind. Oh, no, not <laughs> lost my, can I just confirm? I have not <laughs> lost has my his mind. mind. I, no, I think every single scene of this series has been absolutely riveting. And again, it takes another turn. By episode five and six, it actually becomes a bit, bit more line of duty-ish to the point mm. where, I mean, again, people are joking about episode this. Episode five online. is line of duty. Yeah, right. Oh. And he, uh, people are expecting, you know, some of the characters in line of duty to pop up. The only reason they can't, of course, is because Shaquille always has already played a character in line of duty. Good point. Um, I Yeah, I thought even in episode four, there was because the thing that's so great about line of duty is a lot of the action takes place in an interrogation room. And yeah. that's, that started happening in episode four. Yeah. You don't know who to trust. You don't know who to trust. But we're all agreed it's effing good. Yeah, trust us when we say you should I'm watch just it. just so addictive. Even, even if it's not like objectively the greatest thing, like Camilla Long saying what she thinks about it. It's just, it's just so fun to watch. Yeah. TV crack. It's the most fun. 
you can possibly have watching TV right now. <laughs> That's the strap line. Except for when Killing Eve starts, which is also just as much fun. Well, now you've diluted it by saying that. I'm just, you know, just saying Killing Eve is, is you know, that's we're in, we're in a goal. I mean, this is why we do this podcast. We're in a golden period of, of television. Yeah. This, it's incredible how much good stuff. This And this season particularly, there's more and more good stuff coming week after week after week. And you know what? It makes the fact that we're hurtling towards Christmas less terrifying because there's so much good drama. Around. It makes the stuff, fact that we're hurtling towards the end of this podcast. And if we don't stop soon, you'll be furious because we're, we're going over like, uh, how long we're recording now, John? Nine hours. Nine hours. Um, that's it. I think we've done. I think we've finished all the tasks we set ourselves. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye and please tweet us slash review us from me. It's a goodbye from me. We'll be back next week. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.